Wardcast episode 202 go I'm Dylan Alento, and today I'm rejoined by some of RVA Game Jams' finest, Justin Mitchell. Hello. And coming back to RVA, Sam Lotion. Hey. How you doing? Good. Welcome back. When's the last time we had you on the show? Oh, man. Like like a long time ago. Uh, it's been it's been over a year. But, but oh, it's, it has to be it's way over Almost a year. two years, right? Something like that, yeah. Um, A lot. A lot of time. I think we didn't have you on... Last time we had you on was before you moved. Was the last to time? LA. Was the last time like a, a game of the year episode? I think it might have been. It might have. It might. It might have been game of the year like 2017 or something. Yes. I don't know. I'm not gonna check it now. Let's let's go with yes. <laughs> okay. Um. So Sam, you've been traveling a lot. A lot of traveling. You you lived in L.A. for a stint. Yep. You lived in the U.K. for a stint. Yep. So anywhere else? That was it, right? Well, I, when I was in the UK, I was bouncing back between France and the UK. Oh, right, because because yeah. your partner was in. Yeah. Where, where was she? Uh, this little. Oh, well, it's not little. It's like a tier two city. It's called Nantes. Uh-huh. Um, it's on it's on the co- the western coast of France. Um, kind of like inland a little ways. Like it's on a river, but the ocean's like right there. When you say right there, do you mean like thirty minute drive? Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. So she was in Nantes. Um, and turns out that the for Americans, anyways, the EU visa is different than the UK visa, like for tourists. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in the UK, it's, there's special rules because um, we're best buds or something. And so you get uh, six months uh, per year. Um, in the EU, you get three months per six months. Oh, um, weird. Yeah. So there's three months there uh-huh. that you just can't live in either of those locations right yes no yes okay right right and you have to go to like you know turkey or something yes yeah you have to go to like some other country um just to to hang out for a little bit uh a lot of people like go to africa or like northern africa or something it's like really common top across the mediterranean yep um yeah it's kind of a funny Hmm. situation um uh but uh lauren was there teaching in Nantes for 10 months and so she left a little bit before me and so i had like exactly nine months of time that i had to which is like the total that i was going to be like kind of hopping around and so i i went i guess i went back and forth a total of three three or four times three times and when you were in the uk you were with your buddy thomas thomas up in uh you're near right near Manchester. manchester right yeah yeah, mm-hmm. met Thomas at GDC. He's a he's a cool dude. You still work yep. with him? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, I, I I think at this point, especially after that stint, we're kind of like in that like we're like creative partners at this point. Cool. You know, I think we're gonna keep working on stuff. We've got a cool. game in the chamber for when this game is done, um, and uh, we got some some stuff that we want to do. So yeah, we're gonna be working together for the foreseeable future. Let's talk about. It. Give me a give me a Silent Earth update. How's yeah. Silent Earth okay. Going? Yeah. So um, start from the beginning. Let's get another. Let's get a soft pitch, elevator pitch. What is Silent Earth uh, for, for people that might be listening and not know? Okay. Well, the the one liner that I like to do is Silent Earth is a synesthetic missile defense game. All right. Now you have to define what synesthetic is. Synesthetic just means um, like cross sensory in this case, and you, people usually usually mean it in the sense of like sound and visual. So 
actually synesthetic people when they hear music will like see something if they like close their eyes um or sometimes they just like see stuff like right in the waking world yeah right? a lot it's of like, times it's different colors it's like remy yeah. in ratatouille when he eats the food and yeah something like that yep yep um so uh as far as that's just like a cool word that we get to tack on the silent to make, make people be like whoa <laughs> but uh what it actually means um, in our case is that uh, a lot of the events in the game are beat driven um, and a lot of the stuff you do has like an effect like is music musically generative kind of like mini metro so um, uh, we have like one example would be like these little drones that you can spawn and they like ping to look for enemies and all the pings are musically synced and it adds a layer to the the melodies and stuff um, the whole soundtrack is generative so when stuff happens like we can bring new things in and have stuff go out and it's very the visuals and the gameplay and the music are very um, homogenous in that way are you using um, fmod nice. or something to sync everything yep. together okay. uh, we use fmod as as the um, as the as our auto audio middle middleware um, and I've we've done a bunch of custom stuff on top of it um, but mainly the reason why we're using fmod is because it, it like you're familiar with this running a podcast. It looks like a DAW. Like okay. It just looks like Ableton. Mm. Um, so you can have like a drum track and you can have like, it. Yeah. Right. And you can fade in different drums or different sounds based on what's going on. Um, and then uh, there's this like, you know, you'll send, you'll tell FMOD to do stuff and then you'll also get beat events back out of FMOD. Um, and so you can kind of talk to it and do different things. Cool. Um, yeah. So should I just like talk about the development yeah so i mean yeah. we're, i mean obviously like you've been on the show you're on the show for for right. a year so i mean okay like we knew where it was then well where is it now what have you learned since right. then because like i you've kind of gone like it's kind of like a major revision since that it point. is yeah like, okay it's so almost a so completely different game not in the know any new listeners that haven't don't want to reach back like a year and a half plus worth of episodes yeah um the uh silent earth is uh a game that i've kind of had in my back pocket and i've worked on like off and on for th- three i guess at this point like four years um i was about to say it has to be it's four years it was like a, at least a year before you were on the podcast so yeah. yeah yeah it would be four it would be four years at this point when we started working on it again i guess it would be like three years but anyways yeah so i i've worked on it off and on in like six months stints for a large part of my career and uh i had the opportunity to go hang out with my creative partner tom um who does all the audio for the game um in england like we were just talking about and uh we decided that it would be a good time to finally wrap the game up um and we said okay do we want to just kind of finish this as it is we really ran into some like some some walls with the design last time we tried we weren't sure what to do we couldn't get it to feel right and so i came up with a prototype that had very similar gameplay but instead of being 2d allowed you to rotate the camera in like a cylinder kind of space. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like this weird PS4 game called Resogun, except you're inside the cylinder instead of outside it. Right. Um, hmm. So that added a lot of possibility space because you can't see the whole playing field at once. And um, uh, we just have a lot more playing field. So stuff doesn't... like Like literally the ratio of pixels to like like uh enemies like that that information is we have a lot more stuff we can do with just by virtue of having more playing field do you have a number like a like a factor of how much larger it is because i mean like if you took the because i mean you could like cut the (laughs) cylinder and then peel it out and you could measure how many screens yeah so i guess um i used to know that um it's actually a little bit different depending on the device 
Right. Um, yeah. So like on an iPad, it's a little bit wider. Um, but I mean, it's like four times or something. Like we, it's a really wide angle camera in the game. So so um, so you get a lot of the right. in, internal yeah. on the cylinder. If you're on like a really narrow device, like a like an iPhone X, it's it's gonna obviously a lot more times. Um, but if you're on a wider device, it's not quite so much. Okay. Um, so yeah, a lot more, a lot, just a lot more possibilities. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit better developer since when I last tried to work on it. So, uh, stuff has come on, come along a lot faster and we can, we're not so constrained by like the playing field anymore. So we can just kind of add stuff in like, uh, last week I added, we have these things in the game called anomalies, which is just like a different rule for this round. And some of it will be like, oh, enemies can spawn not from the top of the screen. They can spawn out of these like wormholes that pop in or like the playing field ceiling is lower. So you have less playing field to work with. I added one this past week that just turns the game into like asteroids. <laughs> so it just spawns like this sort of floating debris mm-hmm. um, and the missiles can hit it and they split up. And like if the asteroids hit you, then they do damage. Right. And that mm. was something I was able to add in like a day. Because the nice. possibility space is just a lot more, a lot more there. Um, you attribute that more to like the the layout of the of the game, not like your systems uh, or well, the way you've coded the systems. Because I would imagine the, like yeah. So I did take a really modular approach to this game, which I didn't used to do. That like the way I used to the way I used to code was like was very like static managers for everything, and like and like very everything's like super monolithic, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this approach, everything's like tiny components, which has its ups and downs. Um, one of those ups being that, um, you know, uh, I reuse a shitload of code. Um, and so a lot of my design process isn't so much programming anymore as it is just like slapping components together. Yeah. Um, which isn't like the fastest way as far as like game performance goes. That's not like the most performant way to build a video game, but all the things that need to be fast in the game are. So it's kind of okay. Um, but either way, it lets me make stuff really fast, which I think is super valuable. Cool. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a, the fact that it's going well so well now has been a combination of both just like ha- like having a lot more breathing room in the design and uh, having uh, just like having more experience. Well, there's also the fact that, I mean, like we've talked about this, you know, over chats and stuff about mm-hmm. like your experiences pitching at the publishers and and getting their impressions on it like mm-hmm. i mean you had a pretty good like the first gdc you went to which was last year 2018 you had a lot of people like pretty excited about uh the 2017 game. would have been my first gdc mm-hmm. oh did you go a year before i did no we went the first it was 2018 that was our, last year. gdc was our, oh 2018 yeah yeah jesus okay yeah sorry <laughs> edit this out <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> so um but like you you went in with the previous version of the game, so before you did the cylindrical model. Yeah. And people were very excited about it, but it seemed like a lot of uh a lot of the publishers and like stakeholders that you spoke to, like their priorities or like their visions for like what the game would be didn't necessarily line up with what you wanted. Yeah. I think I think at this point I think my biggest takeaway from that whole that from that whole thing was like publisher there's two things publishers really like it if they see like a game is like a platform for a lot of content like it's really immediate immediately apparent to them the ways the design can expand um because i feel like i feel like a lot of the indie games that are being sold now uh are pitched to pitched to the customers is very content rich mm-hmm. they're kind of these like 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 risk of rain too 
which didn't have a publisher it's self-published but still like that the publishers really or like, like games enter like the that. gungeon right yep. like enter the gungeon 100 percent. so it's just like endless bag of popcorn right uh and we were making something that's kind of an art piece so it doesn't have that going for it um also uh publishers don't like mobile games and it's kind of it was kind of dumb of me to ever really go down the publisher route i mean they i think they would entertain it and i got a little starstruck by like Reigns and like Mini Metro and all these games that were very clearly like very mobile first designs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I'll make one of these and publishers will see it and want to publish me. And I didn't really know, I didn't have as much game business knowledge and I didn't have as much know how about what publishers actually want. Um, And so I was pretty convinced that I would, that I would be able to walk into a deal. Um, And that wasn't the case. Well, I mean, at the um, very least, I think you got your foot in the door. Um, sure, yeah, a lot I learned more a, than, I learned a lot than than other people do, just because like your game is striking, mm-hmm. which is the first thing I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that like, if you have a super pretty game, people will talk to you just because. I don't know if that's like a thing. Publishers, I mean, they've got to be cognizant of it, like when they're looking at it, like, oh, this is a pretty game, people will buy it. But I also think in general, just having a pretty game goes a lot further you know on twitter and all that stuff you know it's kind yeah. of you know uh, sadly a lot of these mediums just reduce a game to its graphics sure um, i mean i i i just think like there's a way to take advantage of that as a developer like absolutely if, if you can do that to like get your foot in the door and yeah. get eyeballs on it and then you can proceed to the next step which is okay let me tell you about the value add or like this game is more than just pretty graphics whereas 100 it could be a harder climb if like i don't know what's a what's a ugly quote like <laughs> PUBG, like PUBG yeah. isn't being sold on like it's graphical fidelity right i was gonna say like dwarf fortress yeah like that like <laughs> right. um that that one's an even weirder case because it's like that has that i mean up until now now kit fox is like doing the steam version like that had yeah. no platform no publishing Dude, i don't no, know like this is a tangent but i think PUBG actually does have like a graphic sale to it I like the it's, way it's PUBG, like turning those like semi realistic looking like Arma 3 people. Yeah. You know, yeah. like people that like that. I mean, PUBG isn't really Milsim, but it's like, it's like kind of it's, in it's that. Ba- it's, it's lineages from right. that. Right. Yeah. Th- there's a bunch of people that don't love There's this. like a look, you know what I mean? For that, like, yeah. Kind of game. I don't think PUBG is a bad looking game. I'm just speaking as people that think PUBG is right, a bad right, looking right, game. Right, right. Like, well. if you, if you look at that game and you're like, ugh, it's like, well, look beyond that. Like, sure. Like the the game the game isn't being sold on like, you know, some ridiculous like AAA level graphical fidelity. Right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, and it's not. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, um, but I totally agree. You know, I mean, do whatever you can to uh, get eyes in your game and get people interested in it. And it turns out that gifts and having like a really unique style is the best. Yeah, the best way to do. It's that. very weird when I just tweet random bullshit on Twitter versus when I tweet like a gif of a game and there's this whole other subset of people that follow me that like the gif. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I forget you even like, Oh, it's another game developer. Like I forget you. We even like have this relationship follow, follow back thing because I'm just making stupid jokes 90% of the time. And like this whole different subset, like, yeah. there's the podcaster Dylan. And then there's the game dev Dylan and the people that follow and like the game dev Dylan there's a Venn diagram, but like it might be slimmer than I uh, sure. had assumed. So, so one thing before we get to Justin, because Justin's been patiently no, saying cool. that you're fine, being yeah. quiet. Um, so I think part of part of the the 
well, you you tell me if this is the case. Is sure. part of the when you were talking to publishers, did you feel like the fact that you wanted to make it a premium purchase game was a heavy weight on like how no. publishers felt about the game? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that if a publisher was going to publish a mobile game, they would want something that's like free with paid upgrade or premium or something like that. Um, obviously, Apple Arcade is about to come in and just mix everyone's shit. So like, right. that's going to be totally different. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think that if you were going to pitch a mo- mobile game to a publisher, they would prefer that because free games require a massive infrastructure to support them. Um, oh, they would prefer a... A yeah. per- premium purchase yeah because like if you're making a free game then there's already i think you're you're there's already some assumptions you're making whether you've prepared for them or not about the infrastructure needed to support those games sure um because a, a it, clash of clans or a candy crush sure. type game yeah um just because ju- just because uh there it's gonna get really ru- like run on a lot more devices it's gonna get um really abused you know, uh, a lot of the times if you have an IAP scheme, you have to make like on my other project recently, like we found out like our IAPs were broken. And after we got, we got featured on the app store and then we got a ton of uh, like, we got like 150,000 downloads or something. And we found out that we were accidentally giving people like a free month of the app. Uh Oh, and it was like, if that thing's kind of broken, then there's your money. I mean, like, you know, yeah. So point being, all I'm saying is like, if you have that kind of infrastructure in place to actually do a, a free app in like a sane, like measured way, then you probably don't need a publisher to begin with. And a publisher probably doesn't want to support like a big free game that has like theoretically infinite life, a life cycle to it. Okay. I think publishers are for games that, and you know what? I might be wrong on this. This is just my opinion, but um, I think publishers are best for when you have a game that's got this classical, like, okay, we have the release spike and then a tail and how can we prolong the tail and all of that, all of that business. Okay. So, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I, w- I was always on the impression that, uh, publishers, any publishers would prefer a free-to-play game, um, but uh, on mm-hmm. mobile specifically. But I mean, some might, you wrong. know, um, you know, uh, every publisher is different. Um, but I can't really. If think you of look any at publishers. like the games Congregate is is sure is sponsoring, then you know they're what are they even doing totally different right now. Like cartridge, like has cartridge taken off at all? I mean, they have. They're. I know they're working on some like exclusives and stuff. I don't. I'm not really up to date on the cartridge stuff, but I think it's a cool idea. Um, I just feel like everything that's strapped to GameStop is is sinking together. Like, like. Wait, sorry. I'm gonna about to show my naivety here, but Congregate's owned by GameStop. Really? Yeah. So is Game Informer. So like, I didn't know. I knew Game Informer was. I didn't know Congregate yeah, was. Yeah. That is hysterical. Yeah. So like, wow. GameStop goes under. They're, All that other stuff does too. Yeah, GameStop like, has a lot of holes in their hull. It's weird. Like, I mean, they just axed ThinkGeek, the ThinkGeek label, so that doesn't oh, exist anymore. Really? Yeah. Oh, what was like that? a month ago. Is that, was is, that's like a clothing or uh, like an accessory it was, it was, brand? Yeah, right? it was like a it was like a nerd focused like novelty like, yeah, like buy some posters and and knickknacks like and that. shit. Right. So like, if you walked into a GameStop, there's like a wall of Funko Pops because well, yeah, they have that <laughs> ThinkGeek Think inventory. ThinkGeek was. Think pretty successful on its own before GameStop bought it. Um, oh, I haven't and, heard of that before. Really? No, I'm saying. Like, <laughs> of course it was. Like, look oh, at Woot. Okay. <laughs> like, Woot was great, and then Amazon bought Woot, and then what happened to Woot? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're Woot's totally right. dead. Yeah. Or what's yeah. going on with Zappos? Sorry, I'm not trying to be a hipster or anything, but I just haven't... <laughs> I haven't been to a GameStop and well, It's been a very long time. Yeah. The last game I bought on GameStop was Tetris Effect, which was eight months ago. Hmm. I think it was the last time I've been. Yeah, I mean, I've I went into I've I've gone into like scoop a game, 
I remember, I think it was, uh, the last game I bought from GameStop was like, I was staying with a friend for like a long period in like winter 2016. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2016. And we didn't have anything to do. So we like just went out and got Halo 5 and played through it. And that was the last game I bought at GameStop. Did you go to a game while you were in the UK? Nope. Like their their retail I saw them. Franchise. I went. Uh, I had to get some um, air duster to clean out my computer. And I b- went to an Overclockers UK thing. That's like their that's like their new egg. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. But it's they have, like they have physical stores. They have brick and mortar stores. Yeah, it's like well, it's like a warehouse, uh, like a that's huge cool. warehouse. But it also has like a little brick and mortar section, and they just have like insane gaming PCs and gaming chairs. And so you picked one up, one of each, and then yeah. also some some air dusting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just went there for the air duster, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's the only that was the only cool UK store I went to mm. as it pertains to gaming. Well, I'm just worried about what might happen in GameStop and how it might affect all its other labels because it would suck to see Game Informer or Game Informer's cool go under because of GameStop's bad choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so what game, what print publications are there these uh, days? Because Kill Screen's edge. gone. All right, there's Edge. That's yeah. it. It's Edge and, and Game Informer. Man, there's just something cool about, I mean... That's why I bought that. Do you, do you remember uh, uh, Profound Waste of Time? No. What is that? Um, that was like an indie magazine, like quarterly kind of situation. Oh, okay. Hmm. And it's, it, I can lend it to you. I've, I've got a copy. Um, but is it, it a, it's a magazine, not like a book or anything? It's, well, it's, it's a magazine. I, I don't know what you call it. It's like, it's like an anthology kind of, or not anthology. What are those? Like a trade paperback like a, or something? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. It's like an indie magazine that's like really thick. Okay. Yeah. And it's for, you know, they just did articles on the design of like Bitrip Beat and uh, Shovel Knight and Abzu and that's like, cool. yeah. And it's all illustrated by people in the, in the scene and it's beautifully printed. And there's like, uh, man, it's just been a minute since I've read it, but there's like a little, like little, like sub booklet in it about something else. And yeah, it's about actually this? a really beautiful publication. Disc? Oh my god, that would be so cool! They should do that for the next one. I think they're doing one more. Um, Is it? Do they do like a charity drive to like fund it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and it, I, you know, everyone get got a copy, of course. But I think the one copy was like twenty bucks or thirty bucks or that's something. Not bad. That's. I mean, for what? It, I mean, dude, when if it's you like see a it, coffee table book. Like, yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. That'd be cool. They did a glow in the dark version. Ooh, that was like yeah. forty bucks, and All I was right. like, I don't need that, but it looked really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they'll ever do they they wouldn't do like more runs. It's like a limited edition kind of thing. Uh, I I know I've seen it for sale on some internet stores where you can still buy copies of it because they did like a big run, but I I don't know. Uh, and I and they will do another copy. Um, I don't know if they're going to do another printing of the first one though. There's only one. Um, yeah, there's only one. Okay. Yeah. But it's really good. Cool. I'll lend it to you. Yeah. 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 I'd like to check it out. Yeah. Justin. Hello. How you doing? I'm all right. Let's get a food minute check in. All right. What, what are we cooking? What's in the test kitchen? Um, so I thought about this when I was getting ready to come over here. Good, good. I'm um, glad you, I was like, you know our content. What am I going to talk about for the food minute? Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch, uh, I'm going to pitch a, a food minute product, not at all oh, okay sponsored. sponsorship um so tori and i have been having very regularly uh at kroger you can buy these two packs of frozen um salmon okay and so it's like 
two probably six ounce fillets. Um, But it's like chipotle crusted or teriyaki or a couple other things. Um, And they're like eight bucks. And you just put it on a pan and you put it in the oven for 20 minutes. And it's phenomenal every time. Oh, so you don't you don't do anything else to no, it? No, you literally just stick it in the oven for twenty minutes and then you eat it. It's great. <laughs> Some true millennial cooking. Yeah, very good. Whatever, man. But whatever it's, works. It's easy and it's not crazy expensive. Like four to four fifty for for fillet for a fillet of salmon is pretty solid actually. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um. I so I'm like notoriously bad with like units of measurement just like most of them like i'm bad at gauging distance i'm bad at gauging weight i'm bad at gauging like i'm getting better at it over yeah. time because i'm like starting to use my actual brain and be like all right well i know you know the average length of a car is x feet so this is blah blah blah, blah. i once <laughs> oh my god i went wendy wanted to make i think it was cod one night okay and so she's like i need you to go to the store and go up to the you know to the counter and ask Fish for counter, X amount of, counter, of yeah. cod. I was like, okay. And I don't know what <laughs> I told him. I don't know what specifications I gave him, but I was like, yeah, can I get like this much cod? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he just like took out one of those like styrofoam like bottom mm. plate things that they saran wrap over. He just like kept stacking cod on that thing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot of... That's a lot of white fish. That's way more white fish. I was expecting like two fillets. I think yeah, I like, said, I think I said like maybe two pounds or something. I don't that's know. That's a lot of fish, man. Yeah. Holy crap. That's was, a lot of fish. That yeah. is a ton of fish. Yeah. yeah I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your your average serving is like five to six ounces, which is about that big. Well, now I know. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. Yep. Happy Matt to help. Is your food minute? All right. <laughs> Justin Warvelana update. Okay. Um, Warvelana is actually going really smoothly these days um we are getting a complete ui revision uh it's not merged in yet it's i saw not, your new um your not new done. Uh, bah, 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 character profile illustrations yeah those look good um super super excited about that um that's an artist named christine she's on twitter at fetal star um and just i need to send over details but um She's working on the next three uh, as of yesterday, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the style of those characters is way more Shining Force. It fits, I think, the style of the game way better. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of breathes new life into characters that I've been looking at for four years. Right. So I'm it, really excited about it. And you also did an art pass in some environments, right? Like yep. I saw some new um, tree sprites and whatnot. Yeah. I, so when I did the first and only big play test here, uh, in March, one of the big things, one of the big discussions was um, animating the environments. And I spent like two or three months animating all the little grasses and then just literally building little animation tiles and throwing it over top of the flat image that everything sure. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but a big hurdle was that I use flat images. I can't just pull my trees out and have animated trees. Uh, and I realized... Wait, wait, how do you mean? So... When when you look at War of Alana, yeah, that is not built in Unity. That is a flat PNG. Oh, it's one image. It is one image. Oh, right. You told it's, me this. It's built in tiled. Right. And yeah, and it, you export, I export it everything. Got it. So, okay. so I was um I realized that's some mega textures ass shit. Yeah. Well, it's it's like twenty layers. It's like twenty layers of stuff because I separate like path, grasses, you know, water, 
rocks, etc. Um, just so you can like draw draw um, trees on top of the characters and whatnot, right? Uh, yeah. So th- there's like an overhead image that's again just a flat image. Um, and this, and you've never messed with like the tile mapping system in in Unity, right? It didn't exist when I started right, exactly. Lana, So but like now that exists, like I, there's no reason to like redo all that stuff. It, it's not worth it at the point that you're yeah. at. It's it's not worth it, and my tiled workflows are so refined now mm-hmm. like it it probably would be faster for me to just do it in tiled anyway mm-hmm. but so i realized hey i can just uh i can just turn all these trees into trunks <laughs> and then just reopen all of my maps and, and resave the... them and then so i built all these little pixel clusters and then started just throwing clusters on trunks to get my new tree style but um, clusters on trunks yeah clusters new, on new, trunks new in my band it's a good ep yeah uh, if you haven't checked it out um, but so, so that's the plan. I'm going to replace all of the static trees with just trunks and then I will build little animation clusters in a sprite and then I can stick those frames into unity. Cool. Um, so I will be able to do that at some point. I'm not going to do it yet. Have you ever messed with, uh, pixel effects? Uh, the, like steam, uh, itch.io thing called pixel effects yeah 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 yeah. I, I bought it i haven't done anything with I it i need yet. to mess with it sam do you know this thing you've seen this thing pixel effects yeah it's um it's uh it just rasterizes like basically a, a particle system to a you can do more in particle systems though like you can right. like you can it basically you, yeah you can like wiggle you can it's not exactly like a skeletal animation yeah set. yeah but it's it's for it's for rasterizing like like procedural it's like popcorn effects for pixel art it's like rasterizing procedural effects to like a to like a uh, sprite sheet for right. doing yeah yeah. Yep. yeah 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 i guess i don't know what popcorn effects is in this context oh popcorn effects it's just a it's just a really really nice particle system okay. um and you can bake uh your particle systems for if they're like really expensive ones like oh we have to have like a million embers coming out of this fire oh, um you can like you can bake them um instead of it so being that, real time right so you don't have to simulate it all in real time, and then it's like it's essentially like think about it as like a three D, um, uh, sprite sheet. Cool. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Popcorn cool. effects is awesome. Yeah. I really want to mess with this pixel one because I think it would it would add a lot to what I'm working on. I don't yeah. Know I, what I, you, uh, how you feel about it? I I got it. I haven't played with it. I got that and the something else um, that made by the same guy that does uh, essentially like giant particle effect things where you can like build a particle engine um for a specific effect like a spell effect or something and then save it as a sprite sheet cool and just get you know cool, cool get cool. a a baked in particle um i picked them up on steam summer sale they it's were such like a cool workflow like 30 percent off yeah i uh i i've never been able to like you see some some like these hand art pixel hand-drawn pixel art animations um and uh they're like beautiful and and i'm always like oh my god you're you're doing like you know this has like dozens of frames in it like and you're just drawing all this i've never been able to do that so like all the effects in my games are procedural Mm because that's the easiest way for me to think about it um yeah it's it's cool to like be able to do that in pixel art yeah Um, yeah uh hyper light drifter just came to ios so teddy's been sharing a bunch of old art and pixel art animations on on twitter Oh, uh, I need to go out. check those out. Looks really good. I still have not played that game. <laughs> I have tried. I'm very bad at it. Oh, really? Uh, I have the like 
gold foil special edition Ooh. physical Ooh. Uh, PS4 one. And then I have it on PC as well. I was thinking about getting it on Switch, but I was like, do I need three copies of a game I don't play? Probably not. Yeah, I think I have it. I think I got it for free on Twitch or something. Hmm. It's one of those games where it's like you've been following it since since you've seen it on it's Kickstarter or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I sh- this this seems right in my alley. I should play it. And then you never play it. Just like Night in the Woods. <laughs> Night in the Woods is a very interesting type of game, but it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to just roam around and talk to your animal friends and do like nothing. I and love then it. And go to and sleep and wake I, up the next day. <laughs> I've just, I'll pick it up and I'll play a little bit of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what, but the game just feels like it just feels so heavy. It's like the, indie game equivalent of like a guinness mm. like i can't like i can't consume a lot of this okay, the woods. okay yeah yeah and then i forget who i told but i told someone and they're like how have you not finished this game yet this game's like four hours long i'm like it does not feel four hours long this game feels like it's like an eternity yeah it definitely i've probably put at least four hours into it and i i have no idea how far i am yeah i don't either yeah i mean i feel like with that game you just have to be cool with not having that feeling of like that that really gamey progress feeling yeah sure yeah, um, there, there's no cool feeling of progression just screwing around in that game um, oh yeah you're right i think what drives yeah. me kind of up a wall in that game is the the dream sequences oh because those could be just so slow yeah i i yeah. spent i spent like 20 minutes roaming around the one where the train like randomly passes by uh-huh. and i was just like where is this fourth musician i <laughs> cannot find it if i if i could play the game without those i think it I'd feel less worse about because everything else is great. I think I think artistically and and narratively they're super interesting. I appreciate it. And Alex, a great musician. And yeah, yeah. Put super, all that super stuff interesting. Um, but they they're definitely a slog at times. Yeah, I'll beat it one day. Now <laughs> that I've demoed that game at multiple shows. Anyways, um, <laughs> wait, what we've we been playing, guys? Let's talk about okay. talking about slow games oh justin you have something oh, i, something I was gonna say uh i omitted this i i didn't omit it i forgot it on my list uh you brought up um kind of timed events cadence of hyrule oh yes what a solid game i've heard good things i so i was asleep tori bought tori got it for me because she knew i wanted <laughs> Pull it the credit card right out of your wallet well like let's go to town so she let's actually bucks uh it's it's funny she um she wanted to buy it on my switch with her card so she went to paypal and it just processed my paypal and she Whoops. was like shit <laughs> and so she like woke me up and she was like hey so i bought you cadence of hyrule but it was with your money so i venmoed you money to pay for it and i was like you didn't have to do that but okay um and so like she went off to class and i uh i sat down and i was like okay i'll check it out for a little bit i played for like two hours and i was like no this is not my intention no <laughs> i did not mean to do this uh, I need. I have stuff to do, and so I turned it off and uh, worked on the game for a little bit. And then she came home, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I was doing stuff." And so I went to show her, and then I was like, "Hey, let's try the co-op." And we just played for like six hours straight. Wow! Like we we just played through the whole game right then. Are you a big Necro dancer? Um, I never played it. Yeah, I never, never played, played it. I I didn't realize that it was literally th- that exact same game, yeah. just with the Zelda skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that Necrodancer had shovels. I thought that came from Minish Cap, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. They put shovels in it. I also did not know that. Um, yeah. Um, so I bought Necrodancer after because ne- um, 
they were smart and put Necrodancer on sale for four dollars. Wow! <laughs> right after Cadence of Hyrule, so I was like, "There's no way I'm not buying this." Um, and it's it's literally the exact same everything. Just doesn't look like Zelda. Do you ever do that thing where you're like, "I I am I'm sure I know I own this game. I own this game on some platform," and then you spend <laughs> like a solid twenty minutes going through your Steam library, going through your itch purchases, going through your humble purchases, and you don't own it. And like, I don't own this game. <laughs> yeah, like, I I could have sworn I picked it up somewhere. The funniest one for me like that is uh, I don't own a Half-Life 2. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Somehow. So did you I like don't... sit down one day and say, like, hey, you know what? I feel like let's play some. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was trying to show Lauren at one point. I was like. Look at these physics like, models. They're amazing. I was like. <laughs> Put it on the seesaw and it makes you go up. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just was like, hey, the world in this game is really neat. Um, and, uh, and we should, we should, you should see why this game is great. Um, and. Because we didn't know what to play, and then I was like, "Wait, I don't own Half Life 2. <laughs> I don't know how I. I don't know what I played it on when I was younger. Um, but maybe I just pirated it when I was like a kid or something. But but yeah, I don't know. I don't own I Half Life. Played on 2. Orange Box. Mm. I rented Orange Box and played it on there for three sixty. Interesting. I didn't have a PC. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I highly recommend Caden's Fire Rule. Very good. Yeah. Great, amazing pixel art, amazing music. Danny Baranowski is a genius. You think they're gonna add more? albums to it like they did with uh i don't know so Necro like that, that was my other thing isn't and, there like and an a rival album in necrodancer like they did like four or five oh, different yeah yeah they they did a bunch of them yeah um that i'm not sure of the biggest thing for me with cadence viral is this is the first indie first party crossover like no one's allowed to work on zelda stuff wait is it the very first or you mean specifically zelda because uh, I, I don't, I don't know one? that it's the very first, but it, nobody's touched Zelda ever. Sure. And now, this indie studio got to make a Zelda game. Well, you say indie studio. I went over to the Brace Yourself Games booth at PAX. <laughs> <laughs> They're not indie. Okay, but from they that perspective, were, but like, they were sure. But I mean, like those guys are making like a four X like RTS sim. Okay, as well. So okay. it's, yeah. uh, like, it's, it's kind of weird. They like, got resources. The line's so blurry these days. I mean, you know, Nintendo worked with Niantic. Niantic used to be a very tiny company. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know. Uh. And Niantic, what? Even back in the day, HAL used to be a really tiny company, like sure. six people, and and now it's you know obviously huge. Right. Yeah. But um, like modern day indie, like there's not much of a track record of no. Nintendo giving yeah properties. I mean, yeah. I mean, it'd let be alone like, like major resources. It'd be like Heart Machine makes uh, an open world Mario game. Or something like Hell that. Hell yeah. Hell like, yeah, I'd play yeah, that. It'd be awesome, but that would be crazy. Yeah. I would play a Heart Machine Zelda game. Yeah. That would be... I mean, Hyperlight Drifter yeah. basically is. Yeah. yeah. So Anyone yeah. paying attention huge, to that? Huge, huge uh, influences there. Yeah. What um, were you saying? I was going to say, is anyone paying attention to Solar Ash Kingdom? Um, uh, a little bit. It looks interesting. Have they said anything more about it? I don't believe so. I, they I could be it? wrong. Um, I wanted to work on it so bad. <laughs> but it's unreal. And I... I, my Unreal chops aren't great. And I, that C++. Also, the CPP. Uh, Unreal supports like, C Sharp now, I, though. Oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but most most people, yeah. when you look at an application, yeah, they're like, do you know C++? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I mean, my C++ isn't terrible, but I also don't really know Unreal's API all the way, and it's just like, yeah, I've never. I wouldn't. I wouldn't there's nothing I could do on that game. But I, <laughs> I saw they were. So they were hiring for like for like a game programmer, and I was like, oh man, please be a Unity game or something. And it was just like, was it remote? Uh, I don't know. I actually don't remember. I would assume they would be fine with it, but maybe not. Maybe they want. Maybe they want people in house. Yeah. So speaking uh, on a quick tangent of 
um, wanting to apply to things that you know you aren't really cut out for. Um, Nintendo and Monolith have both been um, interviewing for designers and stuff on the new uh, Breath of the Wild sequel. And I'm like, man, if I if I knew Japanese more than I did right now, I oh, I would be there. <laughs> Wait, did I, you say Monolith? They build the worlds. Monolith built Breath of the Wild's visual world. And the developer, Monolith. Mm-hmm. The the people that made the Shadow Mordor games. Uh, yeah. As far as I know, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they build the world and then Nintendo builds Zelda in it. That's wild. Um, so they're they're building Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild 2 and I'm like, shit i want it so bad <laughs> i think monolith just has like hella in-house tools yeah. i bet like i think they're just very they have very good tools i mean you look at shadow mordor and shadow war like yeah hell yeah yeah um it's just i think it's so funny how much we attribute to specifically nintendo oh yeah instead of like you know they they probably outsource way more than people tend to acknowledge like smash bandai namco made smash yeah bandai namco made smash and then sakurai was at was just placed on the top of that that team. It was like, all right, I'm going to direct you all. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like, they have they have the tendency to. I mean, you're not supposed to see the man people. behind the curtain, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's like, which is unfortunate because yeah. like those developers should get the the more cred credit. Yeah, that they, but I think Nintendo's probably paying them. Oh yeah. To the point where they're like, yeah, that's fine. Well, it's <laughs> the same thing with Iron Galaxy, and they have like the industry cred. I mean, like, I don't think the players actually care. No, that Monolith yeah. made. X, Y, and Z in Breath no. of the Wild. But I care because like well, yeah, yeah, industry. I, it was it was when I found out I was like, holy shit. I had yeah. I had no idea. But if you look at like look at Iron Galaxy, like Iron Galaxy does like a lot of port work. Um they've touched like so many games that you don't like they did the Diablo 3 switch port. Hmm. Like they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did the second season of Killer Instinct um for for uh for Microsoft after I think Double Helix was the previous studio. Like they do a lot of like port work behind the scenes work like finishing stuff up like you know those those studios are like it's not glamorous work but you know i've talked to dave lang uh, several times and like they're just proud and happy like he obviously is happy that he's able to support a major studio they can do Mm -hmm. all this work and make sure people get paid yeah and i think it's i think it's really funny uh you know how many people a game touches in its lifetime that are just so surprising like Earlier, we were talking about my friend Nick in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. You met him at Glitch City. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, he cut his teeth doing Android ports of like Mist games. <laughs> well, like, like J- that's how he got started. Yeah, like Jake yeah. Rockin got his start doing ports of Doom to yeah. to phones. Yeah. So like, yeah, like you just. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, I mean, it's inspiring yeah. for like people like ignoring like the terrible working conditions, which is a major factor but like Mm -hmm. you know sometimes like maybe take on less glamorous work like if you want a foot in the door yeah yeah stepping stones yeah as long as you're being treated well (laughs) not being super abused speaking of working conditions the um the application for the position on that zelda project at nintendo was more detailed than anything i've ever seen come like for a job posting like in terms of expectations or uh, i mean expectations they laid out uh how much they would cover in travel and relocation oh, wow. expenses so, like, all the benefits and stuff and um they outlined what perks you would also get like they pay for transportation they give you a housing stipend they give you a food stipend and then they also laid out 
what the typical costs in Kyoto for a person or a family are, you know, wow. by year so that you can really see like, hey, this, you know, I'm not from there. I don't know how, how far this money goes. They show you like, this is how much housing typically costs for you, stuff like that. It was amazing. It was incredible compared to anything I've seen anywhere else. <laughs> Yeah. It was a great post. Nowadays, whenever I see a job listing that says works well under stressful conditions <laughs> or like works well under stress, I'm like, mm. yeah. But, Eject. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, tab. N- N- Nintendo has also been very transparent about like, we will delay a game if it's like, if it is yeah. directly harming the people who work on it. Like we don't. Our, yeah, like our, Animal Crossing. Our, like yeah. that's what they did. Our people come first. And that's. Yeah. I mean, I go back Good. and forth. I mean, obviously, I feel like Nintendo, out of like a lot of major studios, is probably like one of the better examples of like employee treatment. Yeah, but absolutely, like, there is that famous quote from Awada who was like, "We don't lay, we don't lay people off." Yeah. And then, like maybe six, twelve months after that, they did the first layoff they ever did in like Nintendo's history, just because uh. the Wii U had done so poorly. Yeah, um, which sucks. Like, I mean, like it, it, it's. I've been thinking a lot about. You ever see that picture of the the Pixar founders? So it's like John Lasseter, Ed Catmull, and then Steve Jobs, like in the movie theater, mm-hmm. and they're all taking the picture. I think about that picture nowadays. I'm like, wow, there's no one good in that photograph. Like <laughs> every person in that photograph has been like admonished in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, and I think like the trickiest one is Ed Catmull because I mean, like he wrote that book Creative Inc., which is about like, hey, how to be a like a manager at a creatively focused like company. And like you hear some horror stories about like how Ed Catmull was as a manager, also like the anti uh, the 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 collusion thing that was happening between Pixar, Apple, Google, and a couple other companies. You guys heard about this? I don't know. It was a couple of years ago. Hmm. There was a collusion between like a lot of major Silicon Valley companies to for uh, anti sniping uh, hmm. em- employees. Mm-hmm. And uh, an email just surfaced recently where um, a recruiter from Google accidentally cold called an Apple programmer and was like saying, "Hey, would you be interested in working over here?" And did not know like the quote the protocol. Unquote, the, yeah, the yeah. rule. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Steve Jobs personally emailed like uh, Eric Schmidt. Um, holy shit. He was the CEO at the time. He was like, hey, like, this ain't cool. And then Schmidt was like, we'll take care of that recruiter and then f- promptly fired him. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. And then and then all that, that collusion stuff came out and I think they were all fined and, you know, because it's illegal. But you think of all that, but you think of like how inspiring Pixar's work is. Yeah. And you're like, okay, how yeah. do I weigh that morally in my head? I mean, Catmull contributed like vastly to the, the whole field oh, yeah, of computer definitely. graphics. I mean, like like everyone uses his work all, all the time every yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, you know, you get good with the bad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Cadence of Hyrule, it's a good game. So good. De- uh, highly recommend. Just, I mean, from a design standpoint, uh, from a playability standpoint, it's, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good. Cool. Sam, you've been playing a little game. Yeah, I've been playing a few. Um, the do, you, do you want me to start yeah. off with? Go ahead. The the main one, or yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, well, uh, I finally had time to try Outer Wilds, and I really wanted like something explory. And I was like, oh man, I hate Skyrim, but maybe I'll play Skyrim again. <laughs> oh wait, Outer Wilds is out. I'm gonna go play that. 
Um, and so I, uh, got out, I got outer wilds and I'm probably, I haven't checked my like time in it. Um, probably like at, at least six hours. Yeah. All right. Maybe, that's maybe a decent, yeah, so like, you know, like, like decent the, chunk, the main oh, secret. Yeah, like and... I've got some shit figured out in that game. <laughs> like I, 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 I know some stuff. Do you like that game? Uh, I, I think, uh, man. Yes, I like it a lot, <laughs> but I, it's really hard to just say I just like it. Like it's it's a it's the game for me scratches an itch that I've uh, wanted in other games, uh-huh. but that that's like a peripheral thing to what the game actually does. Like here are all the games that I like really like. Like I really like Shadow of the Colossus. I really like Stalker. I really like um, I I. Like aspects of Skyrim, and that's what I was like looking for. Yeah. Um, well, you fell pretty hard into No Man's Sky when the next update came out. Yeah, mm. I really like No Man's Sky. Um, I really like these these systemic games where you're kind of just figuring out what the world is. Um, uh, and you know, all those games deliver that experience in a different way, but none of them make the um understanding of the world itself a focal point stalker does it really well but obviously it's through this lens of like surviving in this yeah, wasteland it's, it's set dressing right um outer wilds is a game purely about understanding the world mm-hmm. um and that's uh very very cool to me um so i do like the game a lot but it also is like holy shit i've wanted this forever um, and Outer Wilds does it. So yeah, it's very it's a very special game to me. Probably my I don't know if it's like the best game or whatever, like, but it's it's like my favorite game that I've played in several years, probably. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I wish I liked it more and I <laughs> Yeah, I mean I I also totally get the you know, not liking it. You know, it's it's the thing is I didn't like it. I think the game didn't like me. Right? Sure. Like it was it was it's it's aggressive and it's it's um uh protectionism in mm. knowledge. Like, I mean, I mean, I don't know which plants you've been to, but like Hollow Bramble, I mean, now Hollow Bramble, Hollow, Brittle Hollow. So I haven't been to Brittle Hollow yet. You haven't been to Brittle Hollow? Wait, is that the icy one? No, that's the one that collapses. Don't tell me about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, no, no, no. I haven't been to Brittle Hollow icy yet. One. I, I there's spent, a There's an ice cap on it. Uh, so obviously this will be a little spoilery. Can I just tell you what I've done? Yeah. Or no, is that? Okay. No, it's fine. I've been to, uh, I've done a lot, most of my time, most of that whole six hours is on the Hourglass Twins. Oh, Okay. And then and then uh, um, uh, and then I got bored and I got kind of stuck on the Hourglass Twins. So I so I went. I figured out how to use something on Ash Twin, and mm-hmm. I went somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I also went to the Interloper, and did that. Yeah, the last thing I tried doing was going in the Interloper. Um, did you succeed? Uh, no, or? no, because uh, that's a really good level. Or area yeah so like there's like a star map right there's a map of the solar system uh-huh. whenever i watch the interloper which is this asteroid or this comet that comes in and out of the solar system and like goes outside the farthest planet and then comes in and then skirts yeah, it's like the a sun. super oblong orbit yeah yeah mm. and um whenever i watched it do its like path it always looked like it went into the sun like on the little <laughs> model does that do that like actually in the game or does it just get really close and so the the the, the simulation can't really model it very well uh, i think i think the solar system map i'm talking about the solar system map it's, it's like it's like 2d right is there another solar system map or is there well, like, i mean it's it's 3d but like you 
mostly have a 2D perspective on it. Right. It's the exactly. isometric kind of looking one. Yeah. You hit like the menu button not if you're playing with a controller or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, no, it doesn't go like in it. Right, but it passes yeah. it and that is part of the, the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't finished. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I looked at the ending because I was getting so frustrated at the game that I was just like, just what what is this game about? Like this game is obviously about unlocking the mystery, but the platforming in it is so aggressive that I just am not enjoying getting to the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be like if like you put it. It'd be like if you did a walking sim that had like Maso core platforming in it. Is how that game feels to me. And it's like the like these are you could you could have done this well. This could have been done well in my mind. But like it's so aggressive, um, that I just I can't. It's like mm-hmm. someone looked at the puzzle, the puzzles, the quote unquote puzzles in uh, Gone Home, mm-hmm. which the puzzles in Gone Home mostly, you know, synthesized to look at a piece of paper and tie that piece of paper to like something you have to do elsewhere in the house, right? I I think that not if, not if I can tr- interject here. Uh huh. I think that Outer Wilds is much more elegant than that. Um, because there is no, you don't get anything. Well, the elegance, the elegance in it is that you're, you're using knowledge, not hard coded. It's a metroidvania where the only thing you get is knowledge. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, which is now the third person who has said that independent of anyone else saying that. So, (laughs) um, yeah, but, but the problem is, is that I feel like someone played gone home and they looked at like, they looked at the, 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 the same amount of like the same system of mystery and like problem solving, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's um, diegetic and is not like fully in the game. It's that like you have to use your outside intelligence to like parse it. It's not like I looked at this piece of paper and then the corner of the screen says you unlocked key code for something, something, something. And then you walk over like it's not like that in either of these games. It's more like you look at something and you have to use your intelligence to tie it to something else and you figure it out that mm-hmm. way. But it feels like someone looked at Gone Home and said this is way too fucking easy. And then, like, just cranked it up, cranked up that difficulty. It was like, no, 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 no. People are way smarter than this. Like, it's got to be challenging. Like, you have to be, like, if you look at, like, the, like, do you know anything about the Quantum Moon stuff? Uh, I just started looking into that. Okay. Um, I've I don't know got, if you like, want me to spoil anything for you. No, because okay. that's, like, what I'm doing right now, so. But the Quantum yeah. Moon stuff, like, requires, like, it might have been just the fact that I didn't find the correct, like, dialogue or I didn't in, in parse it the correct way. Sure. But, like, the Quantum Moon, like, literally requires you to have like the most minor understandings of like quantum mechanics mm, yeah like if you understand <laughs> like, Sam's like, Sam's like yeah that's true yeah like <laughs> you have to understand like how schrodinger's cat works as like a concept in, so in order to understand that mystery but they have one that you can just go play with if you want to know how it works it's in the museum yeah but i mean like you can just but I don't know, man. Like, it just seems everything is, like, so unshackled from everything else. And it might be just sure. the, the scale and the scope of the game. It might just yeah. be the fact that you're working on a solar system and it's like, okay, I'm on this planet well, and I so, have to think about so, something that's happening yeah. elsewhere in the world. Do you feel like the reliance is too much on the player's personal intellect versus, like... I felt like it, it was... It was it was trying to draw lines between things as subtly as it could, as subtly as like a well-designed game could Mm -hmm. and being like, all right, now figure it out. I'm like, okay, but also on my way to go figure that out, I have to do this ridiculous platforming section. Mm. 
Uh, okay. And okay. like, you know, you've done, so, you've done Ember Twin. So like, there's some ridiculous, like time-based trial stuff in there. And it's like, all right, well in my, in this grand scheme to like unlock the secrets of the, the solar system in the universe, you're also asking me to do everything like in a very like harsh time limit to me. That doesn't. That, That's too that, much. That doesn't match up. I. I yeah. Would, I would not be able to play that. <laughs> well, yeah. So, like they stripped that out. Man, there's a lot. There's a lot to, to like to address here. I'm just trying to think about. Okay, so yeah, the platforming is really hard, but it also changes with knowledge. Like yes. there is a really nasty hallway on Ember Twin that you have to take to to like quickly get into mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. Um. But after like two tries of that, it's like, it's like a couple button presses. It's like really fast. But also um, there are shortcuts. But the shortcuts right. are also like not plainly apparent. Like you made a comparison to Sky Skyrim. Like right. you finish a dungeon in Skyrim and you f- throw a lever and then it opens up a shortcut to the beginning of the of the dungeon and then you just hop there. That's usually on a, like a cliff. Right. Which so is like why would from- they design it this way? Like, but like it's like come sus- on suspension of disbelief like who cares but like at the very well, at the very least like i have done the thing i have completed the challenge do not ask me to complete the challenge on a game that's like based around right. time loops for me it's easier to suspend my disbelief over something thematic like wow this whole solar system is like 15 kilometers wide yeah. it's like really tiny uh-huh. like that i that and like all these people live on these like tiny little planets and they've never left this crater like that for some reason like big thematic shit like that is way easier for me to spend my disbelief with um but mechanical things like how the levels laid out is it's like really like it's very apparent to me it v- feels immediately theme parky mm. and that's the big we're thing about, about outer wilds uh skyrim okay like that kind of say the like, same thing for outer wilds See, Outer Wilds doesn't feel like a, Outer Wilds is like a believable, consistent thing to me. It doesn't feel theme parky at all. I don't know some parts because of it it's very much do. It like, it's, adheres to its own theming so rigidly. Yeah, like, I don't know. Um, as far as like the Gone Home comparisons, I think it is similar in a lot of ways. Except there's there's two big differences that I think really are what make it special. Um, the first one is that you can brute force Gone Home. Um, if you look at every surface in the game, you'll find everything. Yeah, but you still have to read it and understand what it's saying. But you can plug. You can you can try it. You can try everything in every order, and you'll eventually figure it out. And yeah. there's no like, uh, there's no pressure to do that stuff. That's so crude. Like if Gone Home had a time limit, it would feel so much better. I disagree. What is the like, house on fire? Like what's <laughs> maybe mom and dad are coming home? People are breaking in. Who knows? Maybe some people break in at one, at a certain point. Oh, that would you be fucked to, up with like, the horror <laughs> things in that game. That'd be fucked up. Yeah, I don't know. But like point point being like, uh, it it makes it feel like it it. So the I I think it adheres to that that uh. This is a thing. I don't know if it was a tweet or what, but at, at one point I saw Daniel Linson, you know, the, the guy that does yeah, yeah, Rogue Light and all the yeah, um, all those great uh, jam games. Um, he's like the 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 path of least re- least resistance in your game, like the, of least effort. Like I'm doing not like I'm not having any critical thought, nothing. Like I'm not trying to make the game fun. Has to still be fun for the design to really shine. Mm-hmm. And I think gone home as, as good as it is at, at getting you want, like into, into a headspace where you want to like participate in the narrative. Um, 
it's still you can really like troll that game if you want and like kind of just like like uh shuffle through it and not think about what you're doing but i mean you could do that to any game like i don't think that's a that's a black mark on not outer wilds gone yes you can like i mean you could ignore like everything and still brute force like you would eventually like platform your way to certain things like if if the thing is like if i read every surface of every piece of paper in the house and gone home then i can eventually figure stuff out you can do the exact same thing in outer wilds um like yeah we can maybe like extrapolate it to like it requires outer wilds might require more outbound intelligence and critical thinking than gone home does and i would i would acknowledge that i think i think because the time limit you inherently can't like brute force it Hmm. like you can't uh you have to obtain knowledge to get places like can i can i just talk about a spoilery thing like do you guys okay i mean as long as justin doesn't care I'm probably never going to play this game. So in order to game. in order kidding. to get to certain <laughs> places, you have to learn how those teleporters work on Ash Twin. Uh huh. You have to figure that out, and you have to do that within a certain time limit. Um, so you can't really brute force your way into those. I, I, I took me legitimately, legitimately trying to solve those like like three or four lives. Um. And, and, uh, I just don't, I don't think that there's any like meaningful way that just because of the time limit, um, like that you could just like kind of bumble your, it would just take too long, Mm. you know, for you to, for you to bumble your way into those. Um, so like by take too long, I don't mean in terms of like, oh, I'm bored of the game now. I mean, in terms of like you, like the game will reset you. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think that time limit takes a formula that's, you're right not dissimilar from gone home um but puts it uh in a in a in a context that obviously adds more urgency but as a result really requires a lot of critical thinking um i get that the the platforming sections are really tough i think for me it would be one thing if it was tough and then i did it once and it was it was done but it's another thing that's tough i did it and i didn't figure everything out that i needed in that area right like if you look at the sunless city or something right and then the world resets and I have to go. I not only do I have to go back and figure it out, I have to take the time to get on my ship. Oh, well first let me read my ship log and figure out what did I figure out? Okay. Let me look. Oh, there's the marker. There's still stuff left to figure out there. All right, let me fly back. Let me land the ship correctly. Let me get out of my ship. Let me get back to the starting point I mean, of traversing back down to where the city is. I, I just, I don't like, that's not my process when I'm play, like, I fly in the ship, turn on the autopilot, and just like zoom to the place and then like if it's the case of like the ember the hourglass twins where i really know my way around at this point i can be on the ground doing something in like a couple minutes um but like uh you know i almost never use the ship log unless it's like unless it's to like reconnect like a really distant thing like like um after i got done at interloper i wanted to go do something else and so i had to be like all right i know i know something about this place but i have to go look um but if like that's why i tend to i think the way i played the game which is different from what Alex said, by the way, because he had a different experience. Yeah, Alex also found out that you were going to talk about Outer Wilds today. He was like, hey, maybe I can show up for this recording. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> cool, Alex. Awesome. Couldn't make it <laughs> no, any other talk time. Outer Wilds, yeah. <laughs> but oh, it's going to be more Outer Wilds talk. And we can make fun of Dylan not being very good at Outer Wilds. So let's... The way I'm playing the game that I think that I don't know if it's what everyone did, um, but at least what I'm doing is I'm just like deep diving on one planet at a time. Right. Um, which i'm not very good at which reflects my learning style Uh like as like you know 
that's how I learned like programming languages and stuff. Like I just tend to deep dive on topics. Um, and that's, uh, uh, I think that's why I'm having fun is because I don't, I can kind of contain most of those clues in my head. Sure. Um, You're like understanding the whole breadth of like an entire planet. Right. And then once you've drained it of right. all the knowledge, I that have it has. no concept of like the higher workings of the solar system yet. I just know a lot about this one area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a really good sensation that game is obviously having that like tessellate, right? Like it goes up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that because I'm approaching the game that way, it reduces a lot of the friction you're talking about. So I don't know if that would help. But. I mean, I tried doing that. Right. Like I tried doing that on Brittle Hollow, but mm-hmm. it was because of the platforming kept screwing me over. So you haven't gotten Brittle Hollow yet and everyone says that's the ob- absolute worst for platforming. So maybe that's where I'll snap and be like, all right, I'm yeah. done. I started there. Mm. And oh, I was like, shit, man. Well, I'm yeah. done with this game. Go go, go do that Hourglass Twins. I, I, there's, there's no stakes. There are no stakes left. I don't know. I know what happens at the end. Oh, like, okay. There's literally like... There's oh, I don't. <laughs> there's nothing pulling yeah. me. No, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm right. just saying there's nothing pulling me back right. to that game. I feel like um, th- this could also be potentially a parallel for people who like start up Breath of the Wild and then go and do the Gerudo first and have to fight Thunderblight Ganon as their first boss. And he's just like the hardest boss in the entire game. And sure. they're like, holy crap, this game's really hard. Yeah. And so they like really farm and stuff. And then they go and do Zora and it's so easy. Yeah. Like cakewalk. And they're like, oh, I just did it wrong. <laughs> or folks that just like, I don't know. I don't want to get into well, design sensibilities arguments, but like. No, it's okay. Man, some people dump on Breath of the Wild for the weirdest reasons that I just can't wrap my head around. Well, I think I think one thing that you can't that's cool about Breath of the Wild and Outer Wilds is that you can kind of if you're if something's not working, you can bounce off of it. Right. There's almost something always else. something else to do. Mm. Um that was a that was a uh a really good thing about like like the witness, which is a very you can't brute force that game either, right? Um uh and being able to bounce off of things in that game was what kept me playing. Um sure. you go kind of go through a phase of like heavy critical thought. And then a phase of just like kind of walking around and wondering, you know, being in awe at everything. And, you know, I, I definitely think that, you know, there's definitely Outer Wilds could have some quality of life improvements. I mean, you have to watch that flashback every time you die. Like, oh, man, like uh, I actually you know, like the flashback. I, I thought that really? was. Yeah. Damn. That's so interesting how that game hit us so differently. Like for me, I'm like, oh, man, I biffed my ship in the autopilot or something like I have. Oh, to, yeah. And like if you, you fuck like, up like ugh, really bad, like, right. OK, now I have to sit through this thing. Like that's that's one thing. But like. But I also know that, I mean the people who designed the game aren't dumb. Like they definitely thought about like, okay, we do have this flashback play every time. Should it be skippable? And I think that it's all this carefully balanced. Like sure. we have to have the amount of both like spatial and temporal setback when you reset, Yeah, be strong enough, like just strong enough that, um, there's a sense of urgency that it, it like it has to be urgent, but not overwhelming. Like, you know, you're, you're racing against the clock, but it's not, I got, the same when I got to the bottom of the Sunless City, like, and I was like racing through those tunnels, you know, and yeah. there's like the, the the rising sand, right? It was like the same emotion, trying to f- trying to get the high energy lab and figure out what that was. Yeah, because I I thought it w- was the Sun Project and it wasn't, but mm-hmm. um, trying to figure out what that was is like the end of Interstellar or something, where there's like amazing time, like like yeah. there's like insane time pressure, but you're still like all these things are like piling up um, and giving more context to the situation at the same time. It's right. Like really cool emotion. 
Um, and I think, uh, I don't know. That's just what, for me, like, that's what draws me to it. Yeah, no, I think, I think it does like a very good sense of like awe really well. Yeah. Like it, this, in the soundtrack, like that, oh. per, it's, it's yeah, when you start the game, oh my it's God. really fucking good. It's, yeah. But I don't know. I just, I think some of the design sensibilities just, just, it created so much friction. I was just like, I Dude, tried. It's totally not for everyone. I tried. Um, I, I and then I broke out. I broke out the fucking like walkthroughs. I like went on IGN or wherever. I was like, all right, like how do I how do I figure out this one section? Maybe I'll like it afterwards. And then like I feel like I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, man, if I have to break open like a walkthrough for a game, yeah, yeah, like I'm done. That's Dude, valid. No, I get it. I get. I it's 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 honestly in obviously this is like kind of a different topic, but it's so it's weird to be on the other side of a game like that. Like I've always had this relationship with Dark Souls where I'm like, I just don't get it. Like I don't sure. get it, and. You know, I think the Outer Wilds is hard for some people in the way that Dark Souls is hard for me. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I know. I'm just saying. I know it's weird when like everyone in your kind of in your sphere that you know they're all like designers and stuff, and they've got good opinions, TM, about video games. <laughs> um, I'll like a thing, and you know, you're on the other yeah. side of it. Like, what is this? Like, I'm not into it. And I mean, it's like I understand it. It just breaks my heart that I don't like it more. Sure. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to break Alex's heart because Fair I'm going to go on Game of the Year. <laughs> so, sorry, Alex. <laughs> sorry, Mario Royale's got to go on there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, real, real quick on, on games played. I actually played a, a, a lot of modern titles Oh shit! This this and so there, far this year. And there was like a string of, of like JRPG re-release announcements Justin, so I mean, yeah, like, well, no, I mean, I've, I've definitely Tori, uh, I've, I've got Tori with me on, on her first playthrough of Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana, right? Um, real excited which about which just that. came out to Switch, right? Like, yeah, that Mana was the... Collection, and then first time ever in the U.S. official translation of what we now know as Trials of Mana, right? Um, God, so excited. So, but it's God wait, of War, yes. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure I, I wrap my head around that because. Because just like Final Fantasy, like yep, the yep, numbering yep, yep. system is all fucked up. So it's Final Fantasy Adventure three is the first mana game, right? So Final Fantasy Adventure. Oh, okay, first Final Fantasy Adventure, or the only Final Fantasy Adventure. I might have got only it. Final Fantasy Adventure. Okay. So there were, there were three Final Fantasy Legends. Right. Those, Those are the were game the start Boy ones. of the Saga series. So like Saga Frontier, um, Romancing Saga. Yeah, Romancing Saga, Saga Frontier, all that stuff. Um, Final Fantasy Adventure was Seiken Densetsu 1. Right. And then Secret of Mana was Seiken Densetsu 2. And then we have Trials of Mana, which is Seiken Densetsu 3. Yeah. And then Legend of Mana, which we got here on uh, PlayStation and what, 1. And what is that? Uh, it's Seiken Densetsu 4. It, um, so they skipped 3 here. 3 yeah, never came out. 3 never came out. Um, there was an English patch ROM that came out like mid to late 90s. Pretty much everyone in the world has only ever played that uh, if you're an English speaker. Mm -hmm. And so now the the big weird thing is that we have an official translation and all the names are wrong to us because we've been playing oh. <laughs> this Got other it. version for right. 20 years. Got it. So it's like, it's not called that. What what are you guys doing? But, you know, it is the official translation. So it's, it's definitely going to be an adjustment for me um, to play through that. But they're also, they also announced they're working on a full HD remake of that game. Which looks of secret or trials? Uh, of trials. Okay. Um, which they said uh, the director said in an interview that they're focusing on one player, single player for that instead of two player. Um, it looks amazing. It looks like Breath of the Wild, basically, but as a mana game. 
Um, right. Obviously, it won't be open world. Right. But um, yeah, Trials of Mana. Very excited to finally have that. Um, there, this E three was crazy announcements. Panzer Dragoon. I never thought I'd see that game again in my entire life. <laughs> my- Anya laughed at me because I was I was watching the Nintendo Direct in our Airbnb and I shared an Airbnb with with my friend Anya Combs mm-hmm. and we're watching the Nintendo Direct together and I'm just like all right this is cool this is cool and then they show the the start of the Panzer Dragoon yep. and I, I was like I couldn't believe it I was like what I've, I've never played what? that series like I know it's held in pretty high regard but is. I was like oh I know what this series is called and I like, was blanking on the name for like <laughs> three-fourths of that trailer yeah and then I just go Panzer Dragoon! And then, like, show the title card, and Anya just looks at me, she's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just like, look, I have deep-set knowledge of one industry, I need to make sure, I need to practice. I have to prove it. I need um, to show. Yeah. No, Panzer Dragoon 1 was one of the first games I ever played on Saturn. Uh, my brother has all of them. Panzer Dragoon 2's Y was decent. Um, and then Panzer Dragoon Orda? Uh, Orda was the fourth one that was on xbox okay um and then panzer dragon 3 was a jrpg called panzer dragon saga uh-huh super super rare it's like 400 a copy now wow um very expensive but those games are amazing and i never ever thought i'd see them ever again and i was very emotional <laughs> when basically through the entire nintendo presser was just like things a whole list of things that weren't even like on the possible uh, on the possibilities of what else going to happen. Remember we talked um, at Indie House right before it, and you were like, what are your crazy things for oh, E3 yeah. you want to see? Nowhere on that list was Mana Collection, uh-huh. Panzer Dragoon. Um, I'm trying to think. Banjo-Kazooie and Smash. Uh, yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> oh right. But, yeah, no, I, this E3 was insane. Um, but, so for games, really the big thing for me right now is Dragon Quest Builders 2. Do you like uh, that? I've I've put I don't know like eighty hours in, and the second one, uh huh, already. Yeah, it came out like two weeks ago. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! It's it's just a just straight in my veins, man. Just just right just right in there. It's so everything that was amazing in the first one, they've just doubled down on for the second one. It is a fantastic. Game. I played that Switch demo for the first one, and I was like, this is cool. And then never picked it up again. The Switch demo for the first one was a lot better than the Switch demo for the second one. Oh, really? Uh, the second one was like, hey, here's your island. You can do some stuff, but you can't actually like really go and learn any of the new systems. Um, but the, the biggest difference between one and two is that in one, you have four chapters. You start each chapter brand new, basically. Uh-huh. You don't have any of your stuff. You don't have any of your recipes. You just go to a new place and you kind of build them up and, and then you're done. And in this one, you start off on an island that is yours. And then you take a boat to another island and you do stuff there and you learn all these recipes. You learn how to farm. Colonize, you know, smallpox yeah, blankets. You, yeah, all that. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you, you gather people, you learn new things, you learn new, uh, you get new recipes and materials. And then you take all that back to your island. And then you just do stuff in your island, whatever uh-huh. you want to do. So, like, I just built a giant pyramid with all my people because that's what we wanted to do in the desert. Um, and so now I'm on the third island, which I, I'm pretty sure is the last one, um, which is like this kingdom that's been like raided and completely destroyed. So you end up in this completely destroyed castle that's it's like all snowy and snowfall. Um, and you just slowly rebuild the castle and fight off the things that have been um, 
you know, bothering them and, and, you know, help the king remember the fact that he knows magic. So he teaches you how to like make magical traps and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's just, it's really cool. And I'm super excited, just like the other two islands to take all of that stuff back to my island and upgrade everything. That's cool. But it's, it's really good. Four player co-op online. Um, yeah, I think those are, you know, that's, that's the main points. It's, it's a great game. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to tackle maybe one topic real quick before we wrap up. Okay. Um, pit, dealer's choice. No, the player's choice. We have we have Blender, we have Steam Labs, we have G two A. We have well, Red- the Blender one's pro- probably pretty quick. We can probably talk about that. Yeah. At least, and sure. then maybe something else. So yeah. Blender, uh, the Blender Foundation. So Blender is nonprofit. Is that correct? Is that how that? It's a nonprofit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They got a 1.2 million grant, mm. a mega grant from Epic Mega Games. <laughs> and their mega, mega store. <laughs> it literally <laughs> says mega grant. <laughs> mega. I hate their, God damn it. It's bad branding. Um, it's not even called Epic Mega Games anymore. What are you doing? Um, so they gave them a shit ton of money. Also, Blender 2.8, right? Yeah. The version that everyone's like, hey, Blender's good now. Blender's like actually usable. Yeah, I mean, um, in my opinion, it's been basically usable for a long time. Um, right, but they changed like all the hotkeys. But keys it's and a lot everything. like the, they fixed the UX so that there's way more discoverability for everything, yeah. which is super important. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, but I mean, they've all those features have been in Blender for a long time. It, it, you know, it was just, functionally Blender has right. been the same, but they fixed the UX like massively. Um, it's really good. I was using it the other day to make some rocks. <laughs> And uh, can make good rocks, and it, I made some good rocks really fast. So, I part of me um, really wants to like dive into 3D, and part of me is like, no, 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 <laughs> it's fun. I mean, like, I did some like you can make stuff in like no time, yeah, yeah. I, I made some like basic polygonal stuff, like uh, that's a couple dangerous. years ago, and just like mapped some like pixel art faces to it and it looked decent. It's always fun to just like play around in like a like a sculpting, yeah, program, yeah. you know, and that's always always pretty easy um but on top of that ubisoft announced that they're they're joining the the blender development fund as a corporate gold member let's see if there's anything else that they give them a, a power grant <laughs> yes <laughs> that, a, a u grant a, a, a giga grant <laughs> um which is cool that these major studios are putting money in, you know, open source projects and not yeah. just investing into their own private, you know, proprietary. Well, I mean, they're software. switching to them internally, which is a big deal. So it makes sense that they would throw that a lot a of money deal. at it. Yeah, but I mean, it's like they're throwing money at Blender and not 3ds Max or. Well, no one's used 3ds Max for like ages. Well, what's the other one? Maya. 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 Yeah. Because Maya is super expensive, right? Like Maya is like several hundred dollars. Maya is like hilariously expensive. Yeah. Like, okay. okay. Blender's I... tooling is like way better. Okay. Really? At this point, yeah. Uh, in, in high school, when I used to play around with 3D a little bit, um, I, at some point, managed to pirate the Maya Complete Edition, which was worth about eight grand. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I did in that too. In 2002. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. So, yeah, it's hilariously expensive. But that's a big deal, right? Like, that's a big deal. Like, obviously, like, Maya, at least from my understanding, was, like, the big like industry standard for a long time Mm -hmm. well Um, and then there's zbrush now which is also like hugely popular how expensive is that 
I don't know. I don't really do 3D. I forget how much a ZBrush license is. I it's it's so we can find out. It's yeah, definitely I'll, more I'll affordable. It it's not like Autodesk money. It's like uh um but uh my my 3D modeler friend uses it like every day for his work and uh it it gets it gets perpetually updated. I mean, they say when you buy it's only good for a year of updates, but they just keep giving you the updates. Right. They only guarantee a year, I guess. So for ZBrush? For ZBrush, yeah. What's but they but they keep giving it to you anyway. So I guess, you know, it'll you know, they'll well, just update FL it. FL Studio is also really good about that, right? Yep. I remember seeing mm-hmm. people talk about that. Yep. Yeah, I I have FL Studio 12. <laughs> but just just, just get to, all those updates. Yep. For clarity, ZBrush does not do what Blender or Maya does. Oh, okay. ZBrush is purely from for um doing sculpting. Oh. So it, it it makes a extremely high poly version of your model. Yeah. Um and then you sculpt details onto it and, bake and you those. can't you can't simplify it down. Uh what's it what is there's a name for that, right? You can heavy heavy air quotes, but okay. it's not mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do that and if you hand a character that you've simplified to your rigor like that, then uh-huh. they will kill you. <laughs> um but but uh you can simplify models in it. Um which I mean if it's like a static prop or something whatever sure you know um not your main character right yeah it's not nathan drake with like right. three <laughs> yeah. polys yeah. on his face Don't, yeah looking yeah. like max Payne from the ps2 right oh <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that era but so i mean i think that's a big deal right like that's that's yeah a, that's it's a pretty extremely big, big deal that's yeah. a big fucking Very deal. Big deal because yeah. like whatever like resources that triple a studios pump into the blender indies are gonna benefit from. everybody benefits from mm-hmm. that so like i don't know that's a net positive yeah, and, i think yeah. and blender um is effectively immune from any like any ownership yep because it's a non-profit um because it's free and open source like the license oh on it, right got it like yeah. uh no one can just take blender the way the license works i forget exactly which license it is but the way the license works is that no one can just fork it and be like this is the oh. version of blender we're selling now this is like the, the creation blender. yeah it's like it's it's not creative commons i forget but it's like creative commons the, where the it's mit like, license maybe no mit is like it's free of use like do whatever oh. you want with this code oh, okay yeah um i forget it's it's like creative commons where you can take it but your thing also has to be open source but it's uh, not mm. creative commons it's it has its own license situation um point being though uh legally like it can't get ruined by having lots of money dumped into it so it's only there's no downside yeah which is great curious why i'm curious like if if maya has been like shitting the bed or something in terms of like, uh, support. i mean you know uh it's it's kind of autodesk has a really bloated piece of software uh that's i mean i'm sure millions of lines of code like just huge it's like it's like Photoshop. Like mm-hmm. Photoshop is several million lines of code at this point, and you know um, how how do you meaningfully uh, make changes to it that doesn't break things? How do you how do you work on that in like any kind of um, like agile way? Right. I don't mean yeah. agile like the workflow, whatever. I mean agile like literally, like, um, like actual agility, not right. agile Scrum. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you work on that? like that um uh and because blender's open source it's like massively parallelized development right obviously they have there's like a core team there's like a dogma of people that decide yeah what goes into it but anybody can add add stuff on a blender right 
Um, and it's actually always been that way. Uh, and it, it was the, the, the interesting thing about blender is like when it first was built, it was designed to be incredibly extensible. Like extensibility was the point of blender. Mm -hmm. Um, and not so much these other toolkits. Um, so it's really starting to benefit from that because it's been able to race past everything else just due to being so extensible. Right. And open source. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to check into 2.8. It's, it's actually really good. They changed a lot of stuff. Um, uh, do they, like, do the hotkeys do map to sensible things now? Yeah. Instead of like, if you want to search, things. you remember how it used to be space bar and then you could search for the vaguely thing that yeah. you want to do. Um, now it's just command F on Mac, which is like, makes oh, hey, more that sense. makes sense. Space yeah. bar is used Whatever for playing animations. Oh, Hey, you know? hey, yeah, hey yeah. look at that. Um, they have like, uh, I, I, I was sculpting these rocks. Um, and, uh, <laughs> let me talk about these rocks. That's it's the first Man. thing I'd, I'd, I'd had a reason to pop open blender in a minute. So, that's the last thing I modeled was like, does it, does it run well rocks. on your MacBook? Yeah, it's it's like 60 FPS, like, you know, and I have a 13 inch with like the integrated GPU, like okay. it's not a yeah. heavy weight or anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, I mean, like they have like a little uh, menu that shows you all the hotkeys if you want to switch from like the flatten brush to like the, the clay brush or uh -huh. like the, you know, um, and they have like a little editor where you can adjust a Bezier curve for like the fall off of the brush and stuff and it's like, it is extremely yeah. You're making me want to open Blender, and that's dude. It's I, you should. I, it's extremely I should not good. Not do that. <laughs> Blender 2.8 is extremely good. It's going to be 3D game now. <laughs> oh God, no, um, no. But but just just make it into like an anodyne situation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anodyne two just came out, right? Or is it about to come out? There, yeah, there's like trailers yeah, and stuff like now. No, no, not not for War of Lana, but for the the next thing in the pipe that War doesn't. War of Lana two. No, no, War of Lana two is in the pipe, but this is something completely different. Um. But I like there's no defined art style yet, and I wanted to go 2D backgrounds with 3D models that have kind of that like 2D artistic. Okay, like Octopathy sort of. No, no, no. That's like sprites on 3D sprite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This right. is like 2D hand drawn art on like as a background with a 3D sort of line art rendered model. Oh, that'd be like, cool. That sort of style. It's like Paper Mario esque. Yeah, but less cartoony. Sure. Maybe um, like, I mean like, you know. But, but in terms of like the setup Ori, Ori and like. Or yeah. in the Blind Forest has like 3D stuff going on. Uh, yeah. yeah, similar to that. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, there's literally no art for it yet. We have okay. some foundational code, but like there's no defined anything. So part of me is like, should I just make it all 3D? But I don't, I don't 3D model. And now you're like telling me Blender's all this good shit. I mean, considering <laughs> Blender is clearly starting to become an industry standard. Yeah, like outside of the indie saw. circle. Yeah, I mean that's an industry standard, you yeah, know. Exactly. I think now's a really, especially now that two point eight is out and it's a lot more learnable for folks. I think mm. that now's a really good time to get into it if you're if you're thinking about can't, it. Can't wait for a Ubisoft tech artist to accidentally do an incorrect commit and then everyone gets access to like Ezio from Assassin's Creed as a <laughs> free model in, <laughs> in Blender or or just, like just the rig. Yeah, <laughs> just mess with them. Um. I mean, I, I would not be opposed to making a 3D game. Uh, it's just like, as someone who's done pixel art basically every day for four years, it's like so vastly outside of the scope sure. of what I'm doing right now. Um, I It's actually, this is kind of a funny story. Um, it's actually kind of a, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not schadenfreude. It's like, it's like satisfaction from being right. 
whatever it is. Catharsis. Yeah, it's cathartic for me because um because uh I had a I had like this like tech art job interview. Uh-huh. And uh this is in LA and I didn't get the job and one of the things that they dinged me on was that I used a dot blend for the for like the test project. Really? Yeah, and That's they didn't so have stupid. Blender installed on their machine so they couldn't open my test project and I'm it's like not free. buying this software like, to well, open up it's your free. I guess I'll just go talk to Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> you can export it. I mean, yeah, they they got they they said cuz I I tweeted a little thing of it of the um of the the model, the model. Um like and, inside uh, Blender like you're just like No, in Unity. Um uh, cuz I just made like a really simple model in Blender to do some like shader stuff on sure. um in Unity. Uh and uh uh, I tweeted a little thing of it. Oh, like I'm, I made this little thing for like an art test. Um, and they were like, well, we went on your Twitter and it looks really good, but we weren't able to run it on our computer because we didn't have Blender and used a blend file. So it didn't open. It's like, <laughs> that's I had so... like, I had, I had like 10 hours to do this art test. Like, come that's on guys. That's so <laughs> asinine. <laughs> it was we, really funny. We wanted to read your resume, but you wrote it in open edit <laughs> right. yeah sorry yeah it's a yeah it's it's an open office file and it runs on every computer but we don't want to open that right so dumb yeah it was it was really funny i mean they had other like valid like i legitimately wasn't good for, for that job and <laughs> and they, also you asked for five hundred thousand dollars starting salary right we can't do this it was more it was like a tooling job and i'm not like mm. I, i've made you're not tool. i've made tools but i'm not a tools person mm-hmm. like i'm not a tool specialist mm-hmm. um you're not a toolist Right, it was like a it was like a tech artist tools person, mm. and uh, yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't a good fit anyways. But um, but it was a really funny like thing to ding me on. I was like, seriously, like just download Blender. It's free and open source. Yeah, you can have it. So dumb. <laughs> like, I'll give you like, my license. This isn't like here. I used. This isn't like I I used Moto or some like other yeah. more exotic software and was like, nah, you must. Yeah. You know, I refuse to use FBX or DAE or whatever sure. you yeah. want. But like um. But uh, it was really goofy, just that they didn't, like, blend file. Ugh. To be fair, if they're running through a lot of resumes, it could, could sure. be a, a pain in the ass. Yeah. I've, I've been given, I've been like, hey, can I use this audio? Here you go. Here's an AUG file. I'm like, come, like, come, come on, I just, man. I, was, I think I, no, no, I think I legitimately, before that job application, just kind of implicitly assumed that every game person had Blender installed. That, I like mean, even if they never use it, just have it like I mean, sitting on their computer. I, I do have it installed. It's right, right, it's right here on my toolbar. Exactly. I'm ninety eight percent certain I have I have Blender. Everybody has never like some it. version of Blender installed. <laughs> everyone. You think there's anything else you could like make that assumption for? Like, oh, everyone has Sublime Text installed. Like, I don't I, have Sublime I'm Text installed. I'm in Notepad plus plus. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, Man, actually, I takes mean, me back. These days I'm a I'm a Visual Studio Code, but yeah, a boy, yeah, oh, code it's some good shit, so good, yeah, it's really good. Um, but yeah, no, I like if I want if I need to lightweight open something, and I don't want to have to like wait for a whole program to boot up, then I'll just plus plus it. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that's like really game industry specific, but maybe i mean like you could say photoshop but like uh, every, yeah. ev- like everyone in the world has photoshop and right. stuff. Like, well that's what i'm saying like, true, like, like, what, what is like third party software that is so common that you just make that assumption I mean, i'm sure i'm sure a lot like of game Steam, developers have like some version of unity yeah probably you know? yeah they've tooled around with it or something right yeah that you probably that's probably a safer bet than like game maker right oh definitely or, or ue one of the one of the big things there is that you can just download Unity and mess with it. You could build a whole game. You could do whatever you want in it. There's no pay gate on Unity. 
Unless you learn. want that dark mode. Unless you want that damn dark mode. That coveted dark mode. Um, yeah. I um, couldn't give less for shit. <laughs> but the, like, Game game Maker, I would love to <coughs> do something in Game Maker 2, but I it, it's money to do it. I mean, it's it's not a lot of money. It's money. But it's more money than nothing. Cash money. Um, Remember when they basically gave away Game Maker 1 for free on Humble? Oh, yeah. Because they were immediately about to switch over to 2. Yep. Um... But no, the the engine that I that is open source that I'm uh, interested in messing with at some point is Godot because it's yes, Godot is getting really good. It's, yeah, it supports I mean, now. They're making massive improvements to it all the time. Yeah, Godot looks very promising. <laughs> in ten years, the game industry is going to be running on Godot and Blender. I mean, it, it's very possible. Like what Godot is doing now. Like, so Godot 3 dropped two years back, basically right before GDC. It was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And they were like, hey, we, you know, it's not just, we actually built a whole 2D engine in here. It's not like Unity where you're just kind of sort of doing 2D in a 3D engine. Mm -hmm. Like, we actually have both engines. And here's a whole bunch of games that have been made in both engines um, in Godot. And and here's our list of, like, here's our... our um, I can't. Here's our roadmap for like all the things that we're putting in. They put in like tile sets, tile maps, just tons of stuff. Mm. And it's it's like two guys who work on it, I think, full time, and they just have a Patreon, and it's open source. And people are just like, "Hey, I wanted to do this," and they're like, "Okay," and it's just really good now. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously, like so. I think what made Unity so ubiquitous is that it's somewhere in between like a framework like Hackslixel or something yeah and, and then a model and a huge like something like frostbite where it's like re- like so like there's just so many features and like it's got you know really good serialization for everything and source control is like not even a thought anymore and, and pretty good like, plugin support like if you need something chances are it might exist on the unity asset store yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. well the thing with unity is it's just really hard to coordinate just due to its asset system it's really hard to coordinate like big big projects like triple a scaled projects yeah, yeah. Has, um, like, which is has, why ue is used more in that department right is multi-team source control like still a pain in the ass in i mean in dude, unity? Uh, yeah i mean like i have git headaches daily and and i i yes i've got like you know everything set up as ideally as possible for it but i still you know yeah do you um, have a thomas branch uh no tom it's thomas actually tom's actually uh gotten really good at it's a whole like, separate repo yeah command just line fork git. It. tom tom is actually great at command line git now oh hmm. that's impressive and he's just like an audio person he doesn't he's not a programmer at all sure. doesn't yeah but he just um, knows it's been but using i so just much. like I, I well i i just because i don't know all the git commands uh, uh like GUIs oh yeah like I've used I, I had tower on my Mac for a little while um, but I mainly just use the terminal because mm-hmm. it's a familiar environment yeah. for me um, and so Tom was like Tom wanted to use Git so that he could have a little more autonomy and I wouldn't need to like set up stuff for him right yeah um, makes sense and uh, and I was like well I we, you could get a GUI but then I have to learn the GUI to like show you how to do stuff so sure. maybe you want to just try learning the terminal and I'll like walk you through it now he like makes his own branches and merges stuff and it's like oh how cute it's like great yeah it's so sick yeah. like my audio guy knows git it's like so yeah. good put it on um, the resume well, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it also it's also helpful for him if he i mean it's like it's like um in the it world 
applying for jobs and having nothing about agile methodologies on your on your um resume and like you go apply to capital one capital one is strictly all save agile sure like they have to know that you know how to do that <laughs> so oh yeah it's it's helpful i love that question have you ever worked in an agile environment i'm actually well, I'm a team of one so yes i actually haven't worked on an agile team really I've, yeah i've, I've I only mean, ever worked we, on agile i mean team. I, yeah, i've worked on I've never like I mean, there's so many variants of it now. I mean, I, obviously, every time I've worked on, we have like some kind of Kanban thing, and there's and like some concept of sprints. Sure, but I've never worked on like, uh, we like I've I've never had a physical scrum board or anything ridiculous like that. Like, well, yeah, physical scrum board I would say is largely outdated because yeah. there's so many scrum tools now. Right, Jira is just pretty much standard. Right, like I know Moment uses Jira. I have a Jira. I mean, I did that when I interned at like an actual like software shop. Yeah. But like, I work in an office where I am the sole web developer. Yeah, then so it was like doesn't it'd be weird to be like I went to a job interview. It's like, do you know this? It was like, well, I never had to use it. So like, yeah. you're gonna ping that against me because like, sure. Yeah. Now, I mean, it, it'd be different if like you were the web front end of a software shop sure. and you had to coordinate stuff with everybody else. Right. Yeah yeah but so i guess you know i i get what agile is i know how it works and whatnot but i've just never had like a we're an agile team right like that kind of here's your trello board update your cards yep get your shit together every day well we had you know we still like use cards and stuff but it wasn't right. it wasn't like but a, it wasn't like, like a branding tied. aspect of the yeah. hiring process you know yeah yeah i get it yeah i'm uh i'm actually gonna i'm, I'm not like officially going for it yet but one of the things that I'm trying to do professionally right now is um, get Scrum Master certified hmm. so oh, I can cool. branch out of QA and get more into the Scrum side. Scrumming. 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 <laughs> Straight scrumming. That's a good EP too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, open source software. Yep. Get repos. Scrumming. Agile Scrum. Yeah. It's, it's, good. A, it's a good blend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good place to end on. It's a good blender. <laughs> well, Sam, thank you for for joining us. Thank you for coming back. Thank yeah, you. of course, it's good to be back. Yeah. Happy to be back uh-huh. in RVA. Um, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's just my name, so at Sam Lotion. I'll spell it really quick: S A M L O E S C H E N. Sam Lotion. Um, and then uh, that's probably the best place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same name for Insta. And if you're an RVA. Keep your ears peeled for working title. Yeah. Sam. Holy shit. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Really now quick. he's excited. Yeah. Yep. I was excited before. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So working title is um, uh, it's, it's creative co-working for passion projects. It's a new event that we're starting um, as uh, sort of a new event underneath RVA game jams. Um, uh, the idea is that um, most co-working events are pretty boring and like stuffy and like no one talks. So we do this at a uh, a gallery where there's like lots of cool art and cool people hang out and there's a bar with beer and um, people hang out and work on their stuff, work on their stuff and talk about, you know, talk shop and, you know, just uh, collaborate. Uh, so it's been, pr- it's been pretty good. We've got our next one on, oh my God, <laughs> I don't remember the date. Uh-oh. How often is, <laughs> is it? It's every other week. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and we had our last one on the this past week, right? This past week, this past Wednesday. What day was that? Um, that was the twenty fourth, 
And so the next one will be August 7th. Hmm? Yeah, that sounds right. Wednesday, August 7th. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it's at uh, Gallery 5. It's at Gallery 5. Um, it's really cool. The last one we ran out of seats. Uh, so a lot of people had a lot of fun. And everyone was surprisingly productive. Like there was a lot of socializing going on, but I got a whole thing for my game built and Jeff got a whole thing done on his ray tracer and yeah, people had a good time. Stager um, or Hall? Stager. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's cool. We're going to keep it going. Uh, we've got at least three more events of it and then we'll probably do some more stuff in the fall. Cool. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Justin. Yes. Thanks for coming back on, man. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing for your, your food minute tips. Always. Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at jmitchell1628. People people all about that Insta. Uh, all about I'm, that I'm Insta. not so much anymore. I check it more than I post anything. I haven't. My Instagram is really just cats and food. It's the only purpose. That's a good, it's a good Instagram. Good Instagram. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me at Dylan Lavento, and if you like this podcast, you can find our other podcast at ward-games.com forward slash podcast or on Twitter at Ward Video Games or wherever podcasts are found. Just search Wordcast. Sam, Justin, thank you again. We'll see you later. <laughs>